0: In your worship folder is two things. One is an outline for you to follow along with. The verses are there, some fill-ins. And like last week, there's a few more fill-ins, but I'm going to do my absolute best to let you out early or at least on time. Um, last week, we a little late, I'm apologizing. On the, on the inside of the worship folder is also a group discussion guide. That if you want to go a little bit deeper, you want to talk about this in a small group or with other people, there's some more things that you can look at. Um, and, and again this week, I will start by saying you're welcome. With all of the fill-ins, if you take the back sheet and turn it upside down, all of the answers. Wouldn't you like a test like that in school with all the answers? Um, the idea is not for you to do that right now and fill them all in. That's not the idea. Here's the idea. You write down things because it helps us remember them more. As a, as a preacher, as a speaker, one of the things that kind of depresses me a little bit is the government did a study, and within three days, um, you forget 95% of, of what you heard, which means on Sunday, um, by, by the time we get to Tuesday or Wednesday, you have forgotten 95% of what you heard, but the number goes way up in terms of what you remember when you write it down. So that's one of the reasons why we have that there. So you can take some notes, and sometimes you need to look at that a little bit later. We're in a series um, on choosing your future. We finished a series on the fact that um, you can't choose your past. The past is past. We have to be able to get past it. We have to be able to break free from the past. We have to move ahead from the past. We talked about the 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 fact that you can't choose your past. Sometimes there's great stuff in the past, and sometimes there's not so great stuff in the past. And you can't choose that. You could have chosen better back then, but that ship has sailed, and so we talked for a number of weeks about moving past that. Now we're talking about choosing your future, because you can't choose your past, but you can choose your future. The first week, we talked about the fact that if you don't have the right values, if you don't choose the right values, you will not have the future that you really want. You won't have the right future. Last week, we talked about um, choosing the right guide for your future. and if you missed any of those or you want to hear them again, it's all online, either Journey Nor Church or iloveourchurch.com. You can listen to those free. There's links to get to wherever you need to go to listen to those. Today, we're going to talk about choosing the right doors to walk through, hence the doors. I, 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 I shouldn't do this, but shout out to our, uh, I call Jay, our Disney guy. Um, anything I've ever asked, he's been able to do. It's just amazing. Um, but we have these doors up here because that's what we're going to talk about today. And, and this is kind of a little plug for Easter. Easter, we're gonna, Easter by the way, is the week after next. And we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus said, I am the door. And what does that mean? And so right now is when you need to be thinking and praying about who do I know that needs to hear about the good news of Jesus. And Easter is one of the best times of year. Every Sunday is a good time to invite people. But Easter, uh, many people who would not normally go are are far more likely to go. So it's a great time to be inviting. And I'm going to say this now because we're two weeks out. Um, Next week, Palm Sunday, next week, same regular times, 9 and 1030, Easter we're doing three services, and we're changing the times. So it'll be 8, 9, 30, and 11, which means the two services get bumped a half hour. All that means is if you forget, I think it means you're early, which is fine. Just come in the door down there and have a cup of coffee and wait for the service to start. Um, but three services, and that gives our people a chance to, um, to worship in one. And, you know, invite somebody to one, it also gives you a chance to serve in one or two of them. So that's, that's coming for Easter. Next week, regular times. Um, we're going to talk about doors today. Doors have, um, in the Bible, there's hundreds of, of times that doors are mentioned in the Bible. And often they are symbols for spiritual truth. Sometimes it's just literally a door. But more often than not, doors have great spiritual significance in the Bible. I want to start off with a game. I want to make sure we're kind of all on the same page because doors are very common. We walk through physical doors every single day, multiple times without even thinking about them. And in your home, you have more doors than you realize. So here's what I want you to do. Very quickly in your head, not out loud, I want you to count up how many doors you have in your home. Just real quickly, walk through your house in your mind and, 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 and count up how many doors you have in your home And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you about specific kinds of doors. And if you have one of those doors, I want you to raise your hand. So you can raise your hand and then put it right back down Um, because I have a whole big list of them. So you're counting up these doors in your your head and, and some of you are probably thinking, wow, I didn't know I had that many doors in my house. I don't even think of that. How many of you in your house have a sliding door? See your hands, okay. How many of you have a pocket door? That's not a little tiny one. That's the kind that slides into a pocket and opens up, okay? Quite a few. Um, a front door. Yeah, most people have a front door. Um, how many of you have a basement door? Okay, basement door. Um, a Dutch door. You know what a Dutch door is? They're those, like the barn doors where the top opens so the little kid can't get out or whatever, you know? A number of people have those. Garage door. Most people have garage door. It's a good thing to have. How about a fire-rated door? You say, I don't know. Then you probably don't have one. An attic door. I many of you have an attic door? Get up into your attic. What about a bathroom door? A number of you didn't raise your hand. I'm just going to say, as your pastor, it's a good thing to have a bathroom door. If you don't have one, you might want to work on that. How many of you have a back door? You have a back door, too. Um, what about a closet door? Closet door. How about bedroom door? If you have kids, you'd need a bedroom door. Just saying. Um, revolving door. Not Unless you live in a hotel, you probably don't have a revolving door. How many of you have a glass door? Glass door, yeah, a lot of glass doors. What about a jammed door? <laughs> we have one that we finally fixed. Every winter it stops opening and closing. A squeaky door. How many of you have a squeaky door? That's an easy fix, by the way. Um, a trap door. How many of you have a trap door? I'm not coming to your house if you have a trap door, unless you tell me about it first, okay? A secret door. How many of you have a secret door? Okay, it's not a secret anymore. <laughs> you just told everybody that you had one. We have so many different doors that we don't even think about just in our homes on a daily basis. And as I said, they have doors in the Bible, have a great spiritual significance. A door can be an entrance. It can also be an exit. It can be a bridge or a barrier. It can be a gateway to something, a portal to something. It can also be something that keeps us from going somewhere. Doors can keep things separate, they can protect us, they can provide access to something that we need, or they can prevent entrance where we shouldn't be. There are many different kinds of doors. When we talk about doors in terms of having spiritual significance or just, just metaphorical, even just when, when we think about the church, not the building, but the church, there's, the, there's an entrance door of salvation. Because you go through that door. That's actually what we're gonna talk about on Easter. There's there's a, a door like a passageway door that's discipleship, that we move through this sequence of things. There's there's a service door that has to do with ministry. There's an outside door for mission because there's people out there who need Jesus. There's there's an access door, that special access door for prayer where we can talk to God. There's an open door. And we do this one really well. There's an open door of fellowship where we, we meet people and, and we learn and we grow from people and we have a good time. There's that, that holy door that we just experienced of worship where together we can come before God and raise the name of Jesus high. There's, um, there's the mirror door that's God's word that we don't always like, but it shows us what we need to see. So, a part of the Bible that got us going in our Past Your Past, Moving Past Your Past series, um, was in Revelation, the first couple chapters, uh, chapter two and three, actually. Um, Revelation's last book of the Bible, and Jesus sends a message to seven just the real life churches that existed at that time. The one that I'm going to mention today was the ancient city of Philadelphia, where Philadelphia is named after. In the Greek, it's, it's, it means brotherly love. Um, And it's modern-day Turkey. And when he wrote this letter, when he had this letter sent to this church in Philadelphia, he promises them a great opportunity. And here's what he said in Revelation 3, verses 7 and 8. Here's what Jesus said. I hold the key of David in my hand. I'll, I'll explain that in just a second. The doors that I unlock and open, no one else can close. And any doors that I shut and lock, no one will ever be able to open. Now I know everything you've done. He says, so look, I am placing before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you might not be very strong, but you've kept my word and you've been faithful to me. And this is a huge door of opportunity for them. When he talks about the key of David, um, we won't get into that in great deal, but it's actually a reference to Isaiah 22, I think, verse 22, that mentions the key to David's house. And it started out in Isaiah 22, it was a literal key. It was like a big ring with a key on it that the person in charge of the house would have this key, and it could open any door in the house. It was a master key. That's what the key of David, the key of David's house was. And whenever I read that, it reminds me of Knickerbocker. I grew up on Knickerbocker Street in Sheffield Lake, Ohio. And they built all these houses on Knickerbocker. They were all, like, almost identical. You know, you could walk into one with your eyes closed and, and walk through the house. Whole, whole street of houses were the same. Um, ours was one of the last on the street to be built. And um, we, di- we discovered this fairly early on by accident. The builder, when he was done, left my parents the keys... The key that he left my parents was the master key for every house on the block. (laughs) And it's a good thing we were honest, but we could literally open any house on our block, front or back door. And I remember what I used to babysit because they liked having me babysit because they felt safe having this you know guy babysit. And I liked it because they had food in the fridge and I could watch TV. that The kids were asleep. It was a good deal for me. But I remember one time being locked out of a house and, and getting the master key and getting in. And they're like, how did you get in? <laughs> I had to change the subject really fast. Um, but we could we could open any door on the street. Well, Jesus said... I hold the key of David that's like that's like the ultimate master key he can open any door he can also lock any door and if he opens it it's open if he locks it it's locked this has happened many times in my life god has opened doors for me and I and it was a, a door that god opened and I was able to go through it and and you look back on it and the things that happened only god could have done it was amazing i believe that God is saying this to you personally today that that this is about your future not that you can open any door on your block that's not it it's that he has an open door for you and he wants you to be able to recognize it so that you could walk through it so what we're going to talk about is doors and here's what you need to know about the doors in your life not the physical doors here's the first thing if you're taking notes every door is a decision That's how I want us to think about doors today. Every door is a decision. Because really doors are just metaphors for the choices that we make every day. We have these doors that we can choose. And you learn uh, early in life, every door you walk by, you make a choice. Even if you don't think about it, you make a choice whether to go in that door or not go in that door. You see a closed door, you wonder if you should go in. You see an open door, you wonder if you should just walk in. And you learn pretty early in life that there are some doors you shouldn't walk through. We learn that. We learn that there are some doors that, although you can walk through them, they really aren't worth walking through. We also learn that there are some doors that you can't go through because they're locked. We learn that early in life and we, learn, we know that every door is a decision. The second thing about doors in your life, and this is huge, my destiny will be shaped by which doors I walk past and which doors I walk through. When I know which doors you're walking past and which doors you're walking through, I can tell you a lot about what your life is going to be like in 2 and 5 and 10 years. Because our destiny is determined by which doors we choose by which ones we walk past and which ones we walk through. Here's the tough part. Knowing which doors are the right doors. That's the hard part. Because we have these opportunities every single day, our choices that we make every single day with our money, our choices we make every single day with our time. And by the way, everybody thinks money is valuable. Money is valuable. You know, time is way more valuable than money. You can't get time back. If you go through the wrong door and you make a wrong choice about the time, you don't get that back. It's the same thing. We make choices every day about relationships, which doors that we walk through. Let me ask you this, show of hands. How many of you have ever walked through a door that you thought was right and wasn't? Yeah, most of us. Here's what happens when we do that. And and you, you probably are thinking of a couple times when you did that. It often takes a long time to get back on track again. Very seldom do you say, oh, wrong room, turn around, walk right back. It doesn't usually happen that way. What usually happens is we waste a whole lot of time. We waste a whole lot of energy because we walked through the wrong door. You know what you need? You need what the Bible calls discernment. Huge. Discernment. Everybody say that out loud. Discernment That's what we need Here's We read this verse earlier In a series on the past In Deuteronomy 30 It says this Here's what God says Today I'm giving you a choice You have a choice You can choose life and success Or death and disaster You have a choice And when we talked about this There's very few people Would say Oh I can't wait to choose Death and disaster But We walk through doors That are the choice Of death and disaster So We need Discernment. It's like we have these doors up here. We have, you, you could have opened this door and you see something back there and it's really nice. But I could be like Monty Hall. You can have what's behind door number one or you can trade it all for what's behind door number three and you don't know what's behind door number three. And so many people trade it all before they know what's behind that door and it might be a car or a Caribbean cruise or a candy bar and they've traded everything for it, and we do that far too often in life. We have something that God is offering us, and we trade it all for something that's of no value that costs us a whole bunch of time and effort and energy to get back on track again. What we need to make the right choices is discernment. Let me give you an illustration. I've talked to many people who... um, I'm not thinking of an, of an individual at all, but the, the common denominator, they will say something like this. They're in a really bad relationship, and they're talking with me about this bad relationship with her in, um, and, and, and she'll say something like, um, it seems like every relationship I'm in, this happens. And they'll go through the last two or three relationships or four relationships. It's like every time I'm in this relationship, this happens. And, it's, and, and my job is, at that point is not an easy job. I have to say, so you see what the common denominator is here? (laughs) In all of these bad relationships, you're the common denominator. You have a bad chooser. (laughs) You have to get your chooser fixed. Because if you don't, the same thing is going to happen next time. And you can say, oh no, this time is different. And we're all looking from the outside saying, you just chose the exact same thing. Because your chooser is broken. You need to get a new chooser. You know what that's called? Discernment. We need to learn how to have discernment because our destiny is shaped by which doors we walk past and which doors we walk through. Number three, a door can be a number of different things. I'm just going to have three quick ones right now. A door can be a number of different things. Here's the first thing that a door can be, an opportunity for you to make a decision. A door can be an opportunity from God. And uh, the problem is too many people think every time a door opens that it's an opportunity from God. The door might be an opportunity from God, okay? I believe God will give you many of these, and you need discernment to be able to get through them. There's many times this happened in the Bible. Paul, a great example, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9, um, he says, a huge door of opportunity for good work has opened up here. So he knew it was from God. It's a huge door of opportunity. It's an opportunity to do something good, and his door is opened. And he knew it was an opportunity for good. But that's actually only the first half of the verse. I left the second half of the verse off on purpose because we're going to get into it in more detail in another time. But here's what the second half of that verse says. It says, A huge door of opportunity has opened up for me here, and there is much opposition. It was a door from God, opened by God But there was much opposition See, we kind of sometimes get under the mistaken belief That a right door, if it's God's door If it's the opportunity from Him, there won't be opposition And nothing could be further from the truth We think, if it's God's door opening, I'm going to open it And there's going to be you know unicorns and cotton candy And everything will be great and we open the door that we think is from God and the guy from the movie with the chainsaw is there and we think this isn't from God. And you know what? Sometimes it is. This isn't in your notes. Um, you don't have to be a math whiz to know this formula. Okay, Write this formula down. Opportunity plus opposition equals God's will. Every time. Opportunity plus opposition equals God's will if there's no opposition you might want to pay very close attention to what you're doing because when it is God's will there will always be some kind of opposition so the first thing a door can be is an opportunity from God here's another thing a door can be a distraction from others a distraction from others so this door opens up how do we know if the door opens up how do we know if it's a dead end How do we know if it's something that's going to get us way off track? Again, discernment. We have to have discernment. There used to to be this track out, a little thing that that you would would use to help share the good news of Jesus with people, and it said, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that's 100% true. But what I experience is God loves you and everybody else has a plan for your life. And they're usually not afraid to tell you what their plan for your life is. You see, an open door doesn't necessarily mean God's will or God's calling, even if it appears that it might be a good thing. It doesn't necessarily mean it's God's will. We need to know what's best. One of the stories that illustrates this very well for me is um, Nehemiah in the Old Testament. Nehemiah, they they were in exile in another country. They had been taken over and and now they were being held by Artaxerxes, the king of Persia. And Nehemiah is a long way from home and um, he works himself up in the ranks to where he is now like the next one under the king. He's the cupbearer for the king, which meant he would taste the king's food if it was poison. So he was right there and had access to the king and the king trusted him or he wouldn't put him in that position. And Nehemiah got a chance to see Jerusalem. And to see that because of what had happened in the past, the walls were torn down, the city was in shambles, it was just, it was a mess. And that was his home. And, and it, it really bothered him. And what he wanted to do was he wanted to fix that, but he couldn't because he was living in Persia under Artaxerxes the king. And so what he had to do is he had to wait for an open door. So what do you do while you're waiting for an open door? You do what Nehemiah did. You plan. You get ready. You get prepared because you believe God's going to open that door. And so you get ready. So when the time came and the time did come that the king said, you know, Nehemiah walks in and he's not looking real happy and the king looks like, what's wrong? You know, it's like, I don't like the person tasting my stuff for poison looking sick. Are you okay? What's wrong? And Nehemiah gets a chance to share with him about his city and the king says, what do you really want? And Nehemiah, had already planned it out. He had already figured it all out and got ready, and he was able to lay everything out for the king. And it, it impressed the king, and the king said, you know what, how much money do you need? What do you need? And he, he provided for Nehemiah to be able to go back and rebuild the walls. Let me ask you this. You might be waiting for a door to open. If tomorrow somebody came to you and said, you know what, how can I help you? How can I help you with that? Would you be ready? Have you planned and prepared for the day when God opens that door? Or when they said, what can I do? It's like, "Um, uh, I don't know. Or would you be ready? Because what we need to be able to do is plan and get ready so that when God opens the door, we can do what we need to do. You see, in Nehemiah, um, in that story, he had a whole bunch of opposition. It was God's will, but there was a whole bunch of opposition. The enemies tried to intimidate them, they tried to distract there was was opposition from outside there was opposition from inside they ridiculed them they threatened them and Nehemiah just kept them going it's a great book on leadership Nehemiah was a leader that kept them going in the right direction one of the last things they tried was a delay tactic and and Satan actually does this on a regular basis to each of us here's what happens they they come to Nehemiah and Nehemiah is up working on the wall And they just want to stop what's going on. And they haven't been able to do anything so far. So they say, hey, come on on down here. We need to talk. We want to have a discussion about this. And here's what it says in Nehemiah 6.3. Nehemiah says, so I sent messengers to them with this answer. I am doing a great work and can't come down. I have that memorized because I've had to say it so often. I am doing a great work and I can't come down. I don't want the work to stop while I leave to talk with you. Sometimes you need to talk with people. Sometimes it's a distraction. And sometimes the discussion isn't going to change anything. It's just going to stop the work. And we need the discernment to be able to know if this is a distraction. And we can say, and I've actually said these exact words to people sometimes. I'm doing a great work and can't come down. And until they understand it's from Nehemiah, they're usually okay with that. And then they kind of feel a little weird about it. But it's... Sometimes we have to make that, cho- that choice. We're not choosing between really bad and good. We're choosing between good and the best. And we have to say, you know what? I can't do that right now. You're going to have to say no. Because you can miss a real open door from God by walking through doors that other people have opened up. And you're spending your time in those areas when you should be waiting for what God has for you. So it can be a distraction from others. The third thing that a door can be from, for today, anyhow, is a trap from Satan. There are trapdoors. And I have a feeling everybody in here has at least one story of a trapdoor. It seemed like it wasn't going to be so bad, but it was a trap. And it was a bad thing. An example of that is in Matthew 16. Um, Jesus and, and the disciples are talking and they're, they're saying, you know, here's what we're going to do, but I'm going to have to die and then I'm going to come back. And, and Peter's like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. And Jesus looks at the disciples and says to them and to Peter, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are looking at things merely from a human viewpoint and not God's. Now, that it's okay to look at things from a human viewpoint because that's our viewpoint. And we can, we can look at pros and cons, and we can look at the pluses and minuses, and that's not a bad thing. But when we look at them merely from a human viewpoint and not from God, then often it's a trap from Satan. Because we need to understand that there's more to the picture than we see. And the only way that we can choose the right things is through that discernment. So, here's the fourth thing. If an open door is truly from God, it will not contradict what he's already said in his word. If an open door is truly from God, it will not contradict what he's already said in his word. Now, I, I see this happen all the time. I see it happen way too often. I have a guy who will come to me and say, you know what, my marriage is not working. I'm going to divorce my wife because God wants me to be happy. And I'm not happy. And I'll hear the story. And I want to say, you don't have to tell me the story. I know the story. I've heard it a hundred times. You know, at home, what you're hearing is, I need something, get it yourself. But you're at work or at the office and there's somebody there who has, is pleasing to look at and they're, they're being extra nice to you. And instead of hearing, get it yourself, you say, what do you need? I'll get it for you. And that starts to play on you. And instead of hearing the complaints that you're hearing at home, you're hearing the compliments. And things start to change, and you start to make stupid comparisons. And I hear it way too often. I know God wants me to be happy. And I can say without reservation, that is not an open door from God. And I can say that because what it does is it it goes against what he said in his word. In so many different places, Um, we know that adultery is wrong. It's like one of the top ten in the commandments, but it's not on the screen. But Proverbs 6, I think it's verse 32, says this. Anybody who, who commits adultery is a fool. I didn't say that. God did. Anybody who does that is a fool. Because every single time it happens, you cause enormous pain. You don't just cause pain to another person. You cause pain to yourself. You cause pain to everybody around. And it's always a multi-generational thing. That's never an open door from God. What I try to tell people is, you think the grass is greener on the other side. It's probably because there's more fertilizer over there, if you catch my drift. If you spent as much time cultivating as you did complaining, your side of the fence would look pretty good. That's what needs to happen. And, And I hear all the time, I'm doing the best I can, but the other person won't change. It's like, well, you're not responsible for them. You're responsible for you. You can only change yourself. I don't feel like it. Well, you'll never change that feeling. You don't feel your way into an action. You act your way into a feeling. You start doing the things that you should do. You start doing the right things. The feelings catch up. That's how it works. By the way, that's that that means being a leader. That's what a leader does. A leader makes the first move over and over and over again. Because if a door is open, it, a door, an open door is truly from God, it will not contradict what he said in his word. Jesus said in Matthew twenty four thirty five, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. His word, what he says in here, if it was true 100 years ago, it's true today. If it was true 2,000 years ago, it's true today, and it'll be true 2,000 years from today. It will always be true. I I tell students all the time, I, I know you think you're right because you're teenagers. You think you know everything. Do you want to always be right? Always agree with the Bible. You'll always be right. You might not always be in agreement with society or culture, but you'll always be right because Jesus said, my word will never pass away. So if it contradicts what's in the Bible, and the only way you can know that, like we said last week, is if you're in the Bible. If it contradicts what it says in God's word, it's not not an open door from him. The fifth thing, sometimes God shuts a door for my protection. He shuts a door for my protection. Um, Genesis, this is kind of a a really out there example. Genesis uh, 7, God has Noah build an ark and he has him bring he brings all the animals and Noah loads up the animals and when they all get in it says in Genesis 7:16 then God shut the door Noah didn't shut the door God did why did God shut the door because in not too long the outside was not going to be as pleasant as the inside there was going to be a flood there was going to be problems there was going to be devastation there was going to be death there was going to be destruction. There was going to be all this stuff. And God was protecting Noah and his family. And God shut the door. I picked on married people a few minutes ago. Let me pick on singles for a minute. I've had a lot of singles come up to me and said, you know, I really think this is the one. And I, and I look at the relationship and, and it's like, no, <laughs> it's not. I don't say it like that. But they, but they say, uh, I really think this is the one. And then they come back to me literally, I really thought that was the one but they laughed. And so I, I what are you doing about that? I'm pursuing them. I'm running after them. And so often I want to say, you know what? Sometimes God shuts a door for your protection. And when God removes that person, don't run after them because God might be shutting that door for your protection. And what we will often do is spend way too much time at that door, banging on it, pulling on the handle trying to get it to open when God says, If you want to open it, I'll let you open it, but you won't like it because I shut it for your protection. Here's the sixth thing. God will open doors for me if I open doors for others. This is a biggie. This This is the golden rule. Jesus says in Matthew 7, do to others what you want them to do to you. If I open doors for others, God will open doors for me. That's how it works. Proverbs 11 says this, Anyone who generously blesses others will be generously blessed. I'm not talking about money. It's not like you give money, God will give you money. Oh, I can put more in and get more out. It's not money, it's blessing. And God blesses in a million different ways. But the promise is, if you generously bless others, He will generously bless you. And when you refresh others, you will be refreshed yourself. So if you're in need of that, if you're in need of refreshment, the best thing to do is to start refreshing others instead of just trying to get it for yourself. I don't know if you know this, but there's, there's thousands of promises in the Bible. Did you know there are more promises in the Bible about generosity than any other thing? Generosity. And Job, Job says this, Job 31. I have never turned away anyone, but I have opened my doors to everyone. And God blessed him because of that. And that's been true in my life. My life has been blessed because God has had people open doors for me. I believe that I've opened doors for you guys. Doors of opportunity in this town, in your families. God wants you to open doors for others. When He sees you opening doors for others, that's when He opens that door for you. So... God will open doors for you if you open doors for others. Here's the last thing, number seven. Sometimes God cracks open a door to give me a glimpse of my future long before I'm ready to walk through it. Why is that? To inspire me to grow. This is one of those things that on the one hand is so great and so exciting and I love it, and on the other hand it's like, this is really frustrating, but it's the way it is. He opens doors, or he gives us a glimpse. He cracks the door and gives us a glimpse long before we're ready to walk through it. And there's a number of reasons for that. You see, God has a destiny for you. He has this vision, this dream for your life that's that's more amazing than you could probably ever imagine, but he doesn't reveal it all at once. And there's a number of reasons for that. It would, first of all, overwhelm you. I know 40 years ago when I was a youth pastor, you know, working with junior high kids, and God said, You're going to be a pastor, and there's going to be hundreds of people at your church, and all. And it's like, No thanks. And I would go work at Walmart because that would have way overwhelmed me and scared me. And so He gives us a glimpse of it, but He doesn't give it to us all at once because it would scare us away and because He wants to keep us close. If you want to see that dream, if you want to see that come to pass, and more than you could ever imagine, you stay in step with Him. One step at a time. You don't have to jump up to that thing. You take one step at a time with Him. And He gets us to that point. And, and the main reason why He doesn't reveal it all at once to us and have it happen all at once is because we have growing to do first. He shows us this glimpse of it and says, now here's this thing and here's you and I'm going to grow you into it. And it's going to take some time. I love what it says in, in a book of the Bible that's just not looked at very often. But it's got some amazing gems in it. And that's the book of Habakkuk. In Habakkuk 2 it says this. God says, the things that I am planning for you won't happen right away. But slowly... Steadily, surely. The time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. That thing God gave you a glimpse of, it's coming. But it's not coming all at once. If it seems slow, do not despair, for these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue by a single day. You see, that's God's promise. Too often we're in the wrong our head is in the wrong phase of things our our body is in the what phase that's the glimpse of what he's shown us but our head is in the when phase we forget that there's a what phase that he gives us his glimpse but then over the course of time he shows us the next phase that's the how it's going to happen and when he shows us the glimpse we had no idea how it was going to happen he reveals that to us a little bit at a time. And then finally, there's the when phase. That's the timing phase. And so many people have chosen a good thing, but they've chosen it at the wrong time. And it's messed everything up. We have to do it according to God's plan. So um, this, I think this is not on your outline, but this will be up on the screen. I, I want to share three really, really fast things because this is what we do here. This is what I want you to learn. First thing, learn discernment to know which doors to walk through. Philippians 1 says, This is my prayer for you, that your love will keep growing more and more with knowledge and greater discernment so that you'll be able to make the right choices. You notice what helps you make the right choices? Discernment. So I want you to learn discernment to know which doors to walk through. And you do that by getting closer to God. The second thing is learn courage to walk through the right doors because it won't always be easy. It says, David says to Solomon, son, be strong and courageous and get to work. Don't be frightened by the size of the task, for the Lord God is with you. He will not fail or forsake you. He will see to it that everything is finished correctly. So I pray that you will learn discernment. I pray that you will learn courage so that when that door opens, you can walk through it even though you're scared. And the third thing is to learn how to open doors for others. Because if we don't learn that, none of the other doors are going to open for us. We have to learn how to open doors for others. First Peter 4.9 says, Open your home to others and show hospitality without grumbling about it. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received from God to serve others. And you say, I don't have much. You have something that God gave you. And whatever gift you have is what you use to serve others. So you don't have to do it like somebody else does it. You do it like you do it. So if you know Jesus, if you have claimed Jesus as Savior, then, then your job is learning discernment, learning courage, and opening doors for others. If you don't know Jesus, that's the first door that you need to walk through. That's what we'll talk about on Easter. Jesus said, I am the door. That's the first one you walk through because nothing else will happen the way it should without walking through that door first and saying, Jesus, I believe I trust that what you said was true. I'd like to ask you to bow your heads as we pray. Lord, I know that you have opened so many doors for me. You've opened so many doors for our church. And I want to see you open doors in in amazing ways in the lives of people at this church, in the lives of our family here, our brothers and sisters in this family of God. So teach us to open doors for others. Teach us diligence. Teach us discernment. Most of all, teach us courage to do the right thing even when we're scared to death to do it. Help us put into practice all that you teach us from your word. Help us to be in your word and learning from you. And I pray your blessing on everybody who's listening right now that you would just you would bless their bodies, their their minds, their hearts, their relationships as they choose the right doors. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Please stand for the closing song. And that's how we choose the right doors to walk through. By the one who is living in us and through us so that you can have the discernment that you need. So that you can learn that discernment, so that you can learn the courage to walk through the right door because he's right there with you. So that then you can open doors for others. An opportunity for that is coming. Every Sunday, we hope you're inviting people to Journey in our Church, but two weeks from today is Easter. There are people who will not go to church any other day but Easter. And you might ask them, and you'd be shocked when they say, okay. So next week is 9 and 10.30 again. Easter is 8, 9.30, and 11. Get it? Oh, good. I'm impressed. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all of the doors that you opened for us. I look back on my life and look at the open doors, Father, and I just thank you for the discernment, to know which ones to walk through, for the courage, when it takes that courage to do it. And I thank you for the open doors that you've given us here, and I pray that we will have that discernment and courage to walk through them so that we can open doors for others. We thank you, Father, for what you're doing here, for what you're going to do in and through us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.